People of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Strong themes and coarse language may apply. Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your pilot, Daniel French, bringing you this journey through the spectral streams. We're taking you back to the days of old-time radio, a story written by Chronosphere passenger Kathy Brady, a tale where the lines of fiction and reality are blurred. Please enjoy. Captain Defense and Daphne in the case of the missing ice ray gun. As we open on our closing scene, we see our heroes in a bit of a tight spot. The Enforcer has Captain Defense and Daphne tied up in his underground cave. He is in control of the ice ray gun and is threatening to use it on our superheroes to put an end to their do-gooding. Come, hold your breath with me as we join them. It doesn't look good, listeners. It doesn't look good. Well, aren't you two a sight for sore eyes? The world's number one crime-busting duo here in my lair. All tied up and nowhere to go. I'm going to set the rig under high and put you on ice. Permanent... Not so fast there, Enforcer. Good always conquers evil. Don't you know that? (laughs) You mean to tell me you have a plan, do-gooder? I don't need a plan. And if I had one, I wouldn't share it with the likes of you. That's right, Enforcer. The captain isn't known to be a big talker. But I am. Why don't you listen to me for a while? Look me in the eyes and I'll tell you all about our plan to get out of your control. That's right. Keep looking me in the eyes. See, you do know how to behave. Isn't that nice? Would you like to know about our plan? Our very important plan? A plan that will put an end to your evil doing? I don't need to know about your plan. I I have a plan. Great work, Daphne. I almost have these ropes loosened. I'm impressed. And I hope you hurry. I can't even feel my fingers. He had me tied so tightly. I'm wearing my mini knife cufflinks. I've been working on the ropes the whole time. There we go. I'm coming, Daphne. Let's hurry and get him turned over to the authorities. 
And then, Captain? Yes, Daph? Will you buy a girl some dinner? I am starving. For you, Daphne, anything. With Grandma's old-fashioned ice cream for dessert? Of course, Daphne. No crime fighter's dinner is complete without Grandma's old-fashioned ice cream. Creamy, smooth, sweet. Available in chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, and marshmallow. Let's get ours today! Thanks, Captain. You're the best. No, Daphne, you are. And that's why you deserve the very best ice cream. Come, a delicious crime fighter's dinner and dessert awaits. Join us next week when Captain Defense and Daphne fight the villain Matador on his own home turf. But first, visit your local grocery and be sure to buy a pint or two of Grandma's old-fashioned ice cream. It will surely slide down smoothly as you listen to the adventures of Captain Defense and Daphne. Until next week! Join us now, decades after the golden age of radio, when Captain Defense and Daphne are forgotten by all but the hardest core radio drama fans. Instead, we find newly retired sanitation engineer Dan Milo knocking on the condo door belonging to Di Stefano, an aging secretary. Let's be quiet and hear what's going to happen. Hello? May I help you? Well, I sure hope so. I bet you don't recognize me. Dan! <laughs> You're right. I didn't recognize you until you spoke. You still sound just like Captain Defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lately, the only time I was called Captain was because I was lead truck on the sanitation crew. <laughs> well, it's an honest living. Nothing wrong with that. I'm a secretary, so I'm not in a position to judge. No more glamour for us, eh? <laughs> no, those days are long gone. Where are my manners? Dan, please come in. It's not much, but it keeps me warm and dry. Thanks. I'd love to, and sit down. There's something I'd like to talk to you about. Cute place. Okay, if I sit on the couch? Mm, sure, that's fine, Dan. Uh, mind if we get caught up before we talk about what you came for? <laughs> it has been over 35 years. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Of course, after the show ended, I worked in a bakery for about 10 years. Then I started with the sanitation department. And as I said earlier, I retired last year. Hmm, any family? One son that I don't get along with very well. My wife and I got a divorce about 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, Dan. It's okay. Really. After the show ended, I was lost. My wife and I probably shouldn't have gotten married in the first place. And how has life been treating you, Di? Well, I have a really cute little grandbaby. That's the best part about my life, for sure. My husband and I had two children, a boy and a girl. The granddaughter belongs to my son, Mark. My daughter, Amber, hasn't found the right person yet. I'll have to apologize to your husband for barging in on you folks like this when he gets home. Is he at work? No. Rick won't be coming home. Um, he was killed in a car accident about five years ago. Oh, die. I'm 
so sorry. I feel like a real schmuck. No, no, no. There's nothing to apologize for, Dan. You had no way of knowing. I've gotten used to being alone. My granddaughter has been great for filling the void. I feel like I have someone who who needs me again. That's great, Di. You look so young to be a grandma. Any photos? (laughs) Yeah, over there on the mantel. Her name is Krista. She was born on Mother's Day two years ago. That's really great, Di. And she's beautiful. I think she looks a lot like her grandma. Oh, well, thanks. (laughs) I love hearing that. I feel like I'm... Really being rude, Dan. You came out of the blue to talk to me. By the way, how far did you have to come? I drove ten hours. I came from a little town you've never heard of in Minnesota. I arrived yesterday and got a hotel room across town. Oh, well, don't get me wrong. I, I'm really glad to see you. But did you ever hear of a phone or a letter? <laughs> heard of both, thanks. <laughs> But I dismissed them as this is too sensitive to trust this communication to anything other than face-to-face. Okay, now you're scaring me. We can catch up later. So what on earth is going on? Someone broke into my house and stole the ice ray gun. I had it on display in a sealed case, and they smashed the glass to get at it. I don't understand. Hardly... Anybody ever remembers us or our show. Well, the ice ray gun is a cool collectible. Can't be worth anything. It's worse than that. I'm afraid they didn't steal it as a collectible. We're old friends, Dan. Just spill it. What in the world is going on? Here. Read this. Hmm, Russian ambassador found dead in mysterious death. Ivan Nagorski was found dead in his Dallas hotel room of unexplained injuries. The victim's head seemed to have suffered from extreme exposure, although authorities could find no immediate cause. I don't understand, Dan. It's it's weird and sad, of course, but but I don't see why you would drive 10 hours to show me this. I didn't. I drove 10 hours to show you the photo above the article. Scan the crowd, Di. See if you recognize anyone. This is weird. I don't know anybody in Dallas, but okay, Dan. No. Really? What is Frankie doing in that photo? So you recognize Frankie too, huh? (gasps) Well, of course I recognize Frankie. He was a sound effects and props person on our show. Oh, she always had the baby face, and I don't think she's changed at all, unlike the like the both of us. But what are you doing there? Why are you worried about it? What's missing from my house, Di? Oh, yeah, I see Reagan. But that was just a prop. I mean, I know you're probably upset about it being stolen, which I really totally understand, but... I'm afraid it wasn't a prop. Well, of course it was. It had a friction mechanism that made sparks. Like a toy space gun my brother and I played with when we were kids. And the ice ray gun for the show had a noisemaker responsible for the pew-pew-pew sound it made. 
All true, Di. But I still don't think it was a toy. In between takes, you used to shoot that thing at me. And now you're telling me it's not really a toy? Don't think I haven't lost sleep since I saw that article. I would never have hurt you, Di. <sighs> don't you think I know that? That's why it has to be a toy. You pointed it directly at me a bunch of times, I might add. And I'm still here. Let me explain what I'm thinking. First, the ray gun is missing from my house, and Frankie knew where it was. He was the one who gave it to me, and he insisted that we exchange Christmas cards each year. He was adamant about it. He had my address. I don't think you can convict a person based on a hallmark habit. Hold on, I'm not done yet. Second, Frankie is in the crowd where that Russian was killed. What are the odds? I would bet that once the autopsy is done, the authorities will report that the Russian was killed by an intense, flesh-burning exposure to cold. Oh, and that would mean that it was from the ice ray gun? In my mind, it makes it far more likely. Why would Frankie have us use a real gun as a prop? Why didn't you freeze me all those times you aimed it at me? Why did Frankie have you keep the ray gun all these years when he could have simply taken it as a souvenir for himself? No one would have ever given it a second thought. Can we get some coffee, Di? I think I have answers to all your questions, but I also think we're going to be here a while. When we last left Dan and Di, they were pursuing a theory far more dramatic than anything they ever acted on their radio show. A prop gun, or at least it was always believed to be only a prop, was stolen from Dan's house and then used in an international murder. And Frankie, their old prop manager, is implicated by a crime scene photo published in a newspaper article. Now you and I both need to remember that these reunited old friends were never crime fighters. They simply played them on the radio. I can't wait to listen to this coffee conversation. Can you? Oh, here's a big pot of coffee, Dan. And here's a batch of the shortbread cookies I made last night. They're pretty good, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and finally, please take this notebook. While the coffee was brewing and you were playing with my dog, I wrote out all these questions I peppered you with and... And I'm thinking we should write down the answers as we figure them out. <laughs> as I recall, that's what Daphne and Captain Defense would have done. You are correct, my friend. Hand me that list. And a shortbread cookie, please. Those are my very favorites. Let's start at the top. Why would Frankie have us use a real ice ray gun as a prop? I don't have an ironclad answer, but I suspect the truth is that the best place to hide something is always in plain sight. And in reference to the question we'll be getting to in a moment, every time I goofed around and aimed that gun at someone and didn't freeze off their head, I proved over and over that it was only a prop. Or so we were supposed to make everybody think. It all makes sense. I'm still weirded out that one of us could have been killed if that thing really is a weapon and not a toy. 
Which brings us to the second question. The one that I think matters the most to me. I'll read it anyway, just to keep things official. Why didn't you freeze me all those times you aimed the ray at me? I don't think I would have had an answer to that had I not had the ice ray gun reframed. Remember that Frankie gave me the ice ray mounted in a case all those years ago. I think that was part of the plan to make sure I didn't get rid of the gun. Something encased is more likely to be kept and less likely to be played around with. I think he was banking on me not selling it. The fact that there is so little fan interest in our once popular show assured that it wouldn't be worth it to me to sell it. Okay, that explains why Frankie gave it to you in a case and why you didn't sell it. But it still doesn't explain why you didn't freeze my face off. I'm getting there. Frankie thought the ray gun would hang forever on my wall, where he knew where it could be and apparently where he could get access to it when it was the right time. Yes, we can agree on that. I assume you have something to tell me? Yes, about ten years ago, the case started looking really shoddy. Frankie had selected a white silk background for the case. It looked really sharp originally, I think assuring that I would be sure to prominently display it, making it easier for Frankie to keep track of it from afar. What he didn't count on, though, was how dirty and yellowed that silk was going to get after years in that case. Oh, I'm sure she never thought that far ahead. Think how upset she would have been had she known that the Reagan spent several months in a little shop in downtown Cleveland. Not to rush you, but I still don't know why I wasn't frozen to death. I understand your patience, Di. The guy who reframed the ray gun pointed out to me that there was a button hidden in its base. He surmised that it was a sequence button, that it would have to be pushed in a certain pattern with the other buttons on the ray's handle. Clearly, he never experimented with the sequencing. But it explains why no one on the show was frozen. Hmm. I imagine it was a complicated sequence that couldn't accidentally be set off by someone who didn't know it. It would have to be that way for it to be used as a prop. And now we come to the last question. One with a very sinister answer, I'm afraid. Why did Frankie have Dan keep the ray all these years when he could have simply taken it as a souvenir for himself? No one would have given it a second thought. I have been losing sleep over this one a bit, I must admit. I fear that if Frankie is somehow implicated in using the ray gun to kill the Russian, I will get thrown under the bus. The thing has been clearly documented to be in my exclusive possession for over 35 years. <sighs> That's giving me the chills, Dan. <sighs> On the bright side, it was stolen. Yep, it was. But I only reported it to my partner in crime detection and not the authorities. It didn't take me long to figure out the international implications of this. If Frankie and whoever else was willing to kill out in the open, I think they would happily take me out as well. And while my life isn't anything fancy, it's still mine, and I don't want to give it up. And I don't want you to give up either. I don't know why we fell out of touch, Dan. You're a great friend, and... I'm having a blast hanging out with you. I feel the same about you. But before we get too carried away down memory lane, I think we better solve this case first. I was thinking that since the show is involved, 
Maybe this show is part of the answer as well. Hmm. Um, Daphne, Captain Defense is going to need a little bit more to go on. Our primary prop is part of an international crime plot. Yes. That prop wasn't just a prop. It was the center of every plot that was scripted for us. I like where you're going. Keep at it. If the prop is at the center of every plot we acted out on the show, what other things were, too? Brilliant. What's the answer? (laughs) I have no idea. I was hoping you might know. (laughs) I don't know the answer, but I know how to get it. No, that's almost as good. What do you have? Out in my truck. I have audio cassettes of every show we ever recorded. Everyone? How did you get those? I went to one of those old-time radio drama fan events. Someone was selling a set of our entire show, and the guys from the city had given me a wad of cash as a retirement gift. It seemed like a good way to spend that money. It was a great way to spend that money. And now you've got me thinking. I saved every script we ever had on the show. I'll go out to the truck and get the cassettes. You go get the scripts and we'll need something to play those audio cassettes on. Well, I just got a new boombox with all the features. I'll get that too. Let's meet back here in five minutes. Sounds good. Daphne and Captain Defense, I mean, Di and Dan find themselves drowning in nostalgia. They are searching for the unknown through scripts and recordings of hundreds of separate episodes. Can two old radio drama stars turn into real-life detectives? Tune in to find out. Where to start, Dan? I wish I knew. The one thing I know is that there are way too many episodes to simply start listening. I did the math. There's over 230 hours of show there. We're going to need to think this through and take a targeted approach. I agree. Let's think about the crime. Frankie was at the crime scene, but Frankie literally worked every show. That doesn't help us figure out where to start. You're right. Let's focus on the victim. He was Russian. How many villains did we have that were Russian? Well, the Tsar... He appeared in a series of episodes. I don't remember the year, though. There was also the Baron. I believe I recall that he was Russian, too. But like you, I have no idea what year those shows would have been, either. I can start scanning scripts, but the stack is taller than I am. (laughs) Lots of things are taller than you, Di. Oh, ha, ha, Dan. Again with the short jokes. After all these years... Nah. Just kidding you, kid. Hey, I have an idea. The set of audio cassettes I bought had an episode list with a one-sentence description for each. Grab our notebook, Di. I think we're going to need to keep track of these. Ready when you are. Okay. The Tsar appeared in the first year, episode 10. His appearances continued throughout episodes 11 through 12. Then the Baron shows up in the fourth year, episodes 2 to 3. Dan, you're not going to believe this. What did you find? The episodes where the Tsar appeared? The actor who played him was named Jimmy Dallas. Yeah, I vaguely remember him. 
nice enough guy, if I'm picturing the right one. But that's not what you're getting excited about. Nope. You're getting excited because the actor who played the Russian had a last name of Dallas. And that's where the murder took place. Yep. What about the episodes with the Baron? What was that guy's name? Washington. Nathan Washington. Well, that doesn't bode well, does it? No, it sure doesn't. Worst of all, I can't think of a darn thing we can do about it. Not like we can't notify the authorities like Daphne and Cap would have done. I agree. Can you imagine what these clues would sound like to anyone but us? <laughs> well, my kids already think I'm a little odd. This would seal the deal, I'm afraid. Okay, so we know what we can't do. Let's try to focus on what we can. Well, we can have more coffee and cookies. True. I'd love that. But I was thinking about additional detective work. Well, I'm fresh out of ideas, but I'm all ears. I think we should go to the next radio drama convention. There's a sticker on the back of our box of audio cassettes advertising the next one. It's next week in Minneapolis. Want to go? I'd love that. I'll have to see if I can get off work, but I don't think it should be a problem. We can use my house as a home base. I will come back next week and pick you up. Then I'll bring you back when our adventure is done. Oh, I don't want you to have to go that far out of your way, Dan. It's certainly not a problem, Di. I don't have a job to get to, and I'd rather keep my crime-fighting buddy by my side as much as possible while we sort this out. <laughs> I would certainly rather ride with you. You're very kind, Cap. I'll see you then, Daphne. Take good care of yourself, and be sure to keep your door locked and keep an eye out, okay? Will do, Cap. Will do. When we last left our intrepid crime-fighting duo, the Tsar had managed to separate the two, and had Daphne pinned up against the edge of a cliff, poor Captain Defense had been left unconscious, unaware of the peril of his crime-fighting partner. If only there was something we can do besides hold our breath. This may be our last episode, folks. It's hard to imagine our crime-fighting duo coming back from this danger. Let's tune in and hope for the best. Well, my darling, it seems we are finally alone. I'm sorry it took so long to get rid of that cad, Captain Defense. You haven't defeated the Captain Czar. He's ten times the man you are. His skull certainly seemed to think differently when it made contact with my rock. You are so evil. <laughs> Why, thank you, my dear. You say that like it's a bad thing. I will take you back to my estate and I will show you the wonders of my dark ways. I have enough money to buy you the world. When you stop fighting it, you will see how wonderful it can be. But you must stop fighting me, or I might just stop fighting to hold on to you. Czar, I would rather be dead than go with you, you vile excuse of a man. That won't be necessary, Daphne. No one is dying today. Not even the Czar. 
Instead, we'll get the satisfaction of sending him to prison for a long, long time. Don't forget, Captain. The cliff is still here to take us all to our demise. Stop the wrestling. Everyone is calm. Czar, look into my eyes. Let go of the captain and walk away from the cliff. You are calm. You have no desire to do anyone any harm at all. You are peaceful. There is no anger in you or around you. There is no need to do harm. You don't think I wouldn't have come prepared for your little girlfriend's notorious charms? I have wax plugs in my ears that have now melted nicely. I can't hear a word you say, lovely Miss Daphne. Then you leave me no choice, Czar, but to freeze you. Look out, Captain. He's pushed you both closer to the cliff. Unhand me, Czar. We can both walk away to live another day. I don't want to harm you just to stop your evil doing. Captain, look out! <laughs> Cap! The Czar went over the edge, and I'm losing my footing. Look at me, Cap. Your footing is sound. You have no concerns. Take one step toward me. But it's really precarious here, Daphne. Your footing is sound. You have no concerns. Take one step toward me. Captain, you are fine. Your footing is sound. Take one step toward me. Yes, Daphne. Good, Cap. One more step toward me and hold out your hand. But I don't want to put you in... One more step toward me and hold out your hand. There. I've got you. Now we're both safe. You're the real superhero in this duo. Having experienced your hypnotic powers, I feel somewhat inferior now. I didn't know how powerful you really are, Daph. I want to apologize for that, Cap. But I thought it was the only way I could save you. I knew better than to try to pull you away from the cliff. The footing there was too risky. I also knew if you believed that you could walk away, you would. I fear I owe you my life. You've saved mine more times than I can count. Like today. Yes, but that's... I believe the word you're looking for is different. Uh, yes, I suspect. Because I'm a girl. Haven't you always known that I'm a girl? Oh, yes. I've always known that you're a girl. Especially now. Thanks for reminding me why I hate Frankie so much.
because she's part of an international crime ring? Well, there's that. But I was thinking more about that kiss. <laughs> oh, yes. The fans wanted Captain and Daphne to kiss for several seasons. When the writers finally gave in, Frankie insisted on doing the kiss as a sound effect. Hmm. Instead of your lips on mine, that kiss was Frankie making out with his hand into the mic. Do you remember his reasoning? As clear as if he said it yesterday. This is a family show, and we have a live studio audience. It would be improper for you two to kiss. <laughs> you even said that with his Brooklyn accent. <laughs> I have no idea. Why don't you pull into Sandy's hamburger stand over there and we'll get back at old Frankie. Sounds like a great idea. Mmm, <gasps> that was nice. And a burger wouldn't be bad either. <laughs> Your wish is my command. Our real-life crime fighters, Dan and Di, have completed their 10-hour trek and find themselves at the annual radio drama convention. They don't know what they will find there. Frankie, an old colleague who they believe is mixed up in an international murder plot, will undoubtedly be in attendance. Perhaps more dangerous is the presence of his accomplices, who our crime-fighting duo have yet to identify. Here's open listeners. Danger is everywhere. Okay, before we go in there, let's remember a few things. We may be some of the youngest people there. That might be nice for a change. I've been feeling too old for too long. I see your point. But besides old people, there are likely dangerous people here. Frankie, of course, but we don't know who she's working with. So keep your eyes open. Well, no one will know us, right? Unless perhaps we open our mouths and talk to someone? A valid point and a good reason for us to keep conversations to a minimum. And don't forget the possibility that Frankie will recognize us on sight. I wouldn't have put it past him to have a private eye snap photos of us. Okay. Well, I guess we should go in, because I just keep getting more and more nervous out here. Want to hold my hand? Absolutely. Unless there's a chance we'll be recognized, and then that's too much spectacle. Another great point. No wonder someone let you play a superhero. You are one smart cookie. Thanks, Cap. But right now, it's time to go in and blend. And now it's time for our first drawing of the day. Check your ticket stubs, folks. Two winners. Two winners. Our first lucky attendee is... 011-01112. Let me give that to you again. Zero one one zero one 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 two. And winner number two is zero four zero two zero three. Again, winner number two is zero four zero two zero three. I need to talk to you out of earshot. Okay, let's go over to the popcorn booth over there and get a snack. Die, 
The winning ticket numbers correspond to the Russian episodes. Really? How? One, ten, eleven, twelve. Season one, episode ten, eleven and twelve. And four, two, three. Season four, episodes two and three. Might be a coincidence. Might. Just like it might be a coincidence that an ice ray gun was stolen from my house and a Russian got his head iced off in the same week. And I'm being straight up here. Those things genuinely might not be related. I just believe that they are. Uh, me too. Is it important to see who wins, or is that immaterial? Might be either. Let's wander back that way. Step right up, young lady, and collect your prize. A complete series of Captain Defense and Daphne on audio cassette. A hundred and fifty dollar value. Young lady, huh? She's old enough to be my mother. <laughs> and now for our second giveaway. Step right up with the winning ticket. Here you go, sir. A Fibber McGee and Molly collectible set. Oh, let's get out of here. Frankie was the winner, and I think it's best if he doesn't see us. Right behind you, Di. Okay, we've learned two things. One, Frankie is here. Two, I really overpaid for those series audio cassettes. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Dan, Di, hold up. Is that you? Frankie! Hey, how are you? It's great to see you after all these years. Absolutely. I'm surprised you recognize this, but you haven't changed a bit. I can't believe that you two are here and together. We realized that we missed each other after all these years and decided to road trip to the convention. And Dan was kind enough to drive. I was in charge of the coffee and cookies. It's so great to see you two. Meet me outside the convention center by the fountain. Try to be inconspicuous. Don't follow me. What the? I think I'm speechless. Do you think it's a trap? Even if it is, I think we have to play this one through. Want to take my hand? Absolutely. And I'll do it this time because I don't think we've got anything to hide now. Or that we have bigger worries than folks knowing we're, uh, whatever we are. <laughs> I like being your whatever we are. It's a lot of fun. Glad you think so, too. Let's talk about that later because right now I'm worried about how I'm going to keep you safe when I'm not really a superhero. Well, for the record, I feel the same way about you. I want to keep you safe, and last I checked, I don't have any superpowers either. Well, we both better find some fast, because I believe that fountain is just around this corner. Hi, Frankie. Put your backs to the fountain and look like you're just talking to each other. I'm going to light up a cigarette and look like I'm just taking a break out here. When did you start smoking? I don't. It's only used for situations like this. And uh, what kind of situation is that, Frankie? Let me start with what it ain't. I ain't after you two. I ain't part of an international crime ring. 
If you're not, then what were you doing at the most recent crime scene where a Russian got his head iced off just as if someone used an ice ray gun on him? My ray gun, I suspect. I had put these clues together just like apparently you and I did. I raced to try and warn Nagorski, but I was too late. Unfortunately, I got captured in the press photo. You gotta believe me, I ain't no criminal. Quite the opposite. I've been trying to keep you safe all these years. Really? Oh, from, from, from what? Why? Whoa, slow down. Oops, sorry. No problem. This whole thing is overwhelming. I'm just going to tell you what I know. Foyce, the scriptwriter from our show, was, was working for an underground network and signaled messages based on what happened in our scripts. How did you ever figure that out? I was the foley for the show. I knew every script inside and out. You two read off your script, so you only did a run-through or two. But I was responsible for every effect in a very sound effects-heavy show. I had those scripts memorized. You know I was also a news geek back then. Yes. You always had your nose buried in a paper or were listening to a news broadcast. So? So I started to see patterns. Or I thought I was seeing patterns. The first one was when Cap and Daphne was chasing down a villain played by Freddie Paris. The plot took you to a bank where Freddie's character held you hostage. Three days after the episode aired, an Allied sympathizer was assassinated in Paris in a bank by the same name as the one in the episode. Wow, really? Why, why didn't you say anything? Honestly, everybody already thought that I was some kind of geeky noid. If I had been wrong or more likely right and just unable to prove it, I would have never recovered from it. You mentioned earlier, Frankie, that you thought we were in danger. Yeah. I spent and continue to spend a lot of time monitoring these crime signals. It's always been my fear that you and Dan would be targets. Nothing concrete to go on, but I did feel that way. However, I get the sense that you both thought that you are in danger from me. I can't believe what bad actors you two are. <laughs> Hard to believe you were both on the number one radio drama in the country. For years, I might add. In our defense, there wasn't a lot of facial acting required. We would have never made it had we transferred to TV. But come on, Frankie. You gave me the mounted ice ray gun. And it's stolen and used in international crimes. What was I supposed to think? I can see where it looks dicey. I would just hope you knew me better than that. So not only is our 35-year-old radio show linked with international crime now, but it always was? Well, there was quite a break in there. After the show went off the air, the related crime stopped. Or as much as I could tell, they did. Well, what made him start up again? Well, the head writer of our show, Ted, he died about five years after we went off the air, which put an end to things. But his grandson... Well, he seems to have picked up Ted's mantle. That seemed to coincide with the upswing in popularity of these radio drama conventions. I suspect that when the publisher released the full set of the series episodes, it allowed the grandson to reuse all of Ted's old dog whistles. Ours was a great show. I hate the thought of it being used to kill people, both then and now. I know. It makes me feel complicit. Even though we had no idea what was happening... Is there anything we can do? Yeah, 
but I don't think you're going to like it. How about we get away from this convention site and talk about it in private? Tell us where to meet, and we'll be happy to listen. Sure will. Well, faithful listeners, we are coming to the end of our adventure. In the next few minutes, you will learn if Captain Defense and Daphne still have some magic left in them. They will be presented to the public as never before. Stay alert, loyal listeners. Although we're coming to the conclusion, there is still plenty of danger ahead. Frankie, I don't know about this. Where did you get these costumes? I don't know that Captain Defense and Daphne even had costumes. Well, they didn't back in the day. That's because you two were the only superheroes on the radio that didn't start out as a comic book. You were literally invented for radio. Then where did these costumes come from? The front cover of the audio tape set. Ah, I thought those costumes looked familiar. You do know I feel ridiculous, right? And I'm right behind you on that. (laughs) I know, but I think things will work better this way. More attention from the crowd. There's no offense, but you two sure don't look like the Dan and Di your fans used to know. Gee, thanks. thanks. <laughs> no problem. One more thing. Dan, this is for you. Whoa, Frankie, what are you doing with the ice ray gun? I thought it had been stolen. You had it all along? What are your intentions? Back down, Dan. I ain't gonna hurt you. When will you learn that you can trust me? This ain't the ice ray gun. It ain't a weapon at all. This one is merely a prop. You have my word. It's just a very clever imitation. I'll say. I spent years watching that gun in Dan's hand, and I would swear it was the original. I had it made to look exactly like it, down to the five sequencing buttons, including the one hidden in the base. What do you want us to do? Full disclosure... Uh, there is some risk here. No, I figured as much. I don't mind if Dan doesn't. I'm so angry about how our show is used that I want to do what I can make it right. I'm sure not letting Di do this by herself, so I'm in. That's great, because it's going to take both of you. Here's my plan. I am pretty confident the International Crime Syndicate is here in full force. I don't know their identities, however. That's what this plan is for. Okay, fill us in. You know we're on board. I've written a bit of shtick for you and I to perform as Cap and Daphne. The crowd will love it. Then at the end, I want you to pull out the ice ray gun duplicate and shoot it. But there's a catch. There always is. What do you have? You know that the buttons on the ice ray gun are coded in series. If you don't push all the buttons in the proper order and for the proper number of times, it's just a prop. We know that. That's why I didn't freeze my beautiful co-star's face all the many times I aimed it at her in jest. I'm confident the actual sequence from the buttons is from Season 4, Episode 2, when you went to stop a bank heist. Remember how the bank vault combination was included in that episode? Actually, yes we do, as we've been listening our way through the whole series. We heard that episode on the way up here. Now I admit to knowing that episode, but I don't know the combination. Neither do I. It's 53126. Don't worry, I have the code written on your scripts. We're going to get to read from the scripts? 
Yep, just like the old days, only with costumes. The fans will expect it, and it'll ensure that you get the series code for the gun correct. That's critical. Not to sound dumb here, but why does it matter if I get the sequence correct on an ice ray that is only a prop? It is only a prop, right? I, I heard you say that. You're right, it's only a prop. But it's a perfect match in every other aspect to the missing ice ray gun. If you get the sequence absolutely correct, the crime ring will believe that there were two. Remember, they have your original. If I sell it just right, then what happens? One of two things. The ending I'm hoping for is that they will be so terrified to see what they believe to be a real ice ray gun that they will run out of the convention hall, thereby identifying themselves. And the ending you don't prefer, but might happen anyway, Frankie? They see what they believe to be the ice ray gun, and they start shooting at you and Dan, thereby identifying themselves. Okay, then. Di, what do you think? <sighs> no one takes our show and uses it as a tool for killing. I want to catch them. If they feel they need to shoot at me, well, I guess that's a risk I'll just have to take. Dan, are you with me? I'm sure not letting you do this by yourself. Captain Defense stands at the ready. Oh, and Frankie, how are we actually going to catch these guys? There's a secret. I and I aren't really superheroes. I'm well aware of that, my friend. Feeling absolutely confident that both of you would respond the way you did, however, I called an old high school classmate who just happens to be very high up in the FBI. I laid out our entire series of coincidences, and he will be bringing a few colleagues to your performance, which starts in five minutes, by the way. We had better get backstage. We did the show for six years with hundreds of episodes, and yet this is the first time I am nervous. Really nervous. <laughs> it's also the first time you've been wearing a leotard and cape. I'm suspecting that that has something to do with it. Methinks you're right, milady. I look ridiculous. I merely spoke fact. You are indeed wearing a leotard. I happen to think you look quite fetching. I will be happy to superhero by your side today or any day. How about a kiss? And then let's set our minds on the task at hand. Here you go, Cap. Thank you, Daphne. That was just what I needed. Here's your scripts. You're up next. Go stand behind the curtain and wait for your introduction. Attention all Captain Defense and Daphne fans. You have waited 35 long years for their return, and here they are in all their caped glory. Here is Dan Milo and Di Stefano. But you know them as Captain Defense and Daphne. They're here this one day only, and then they're going back where all good superheroes go when they're not fighting crime. So let's give them a radio roundup welcome. Captain and Daphne, come out. Greetings, radio drama fans. It has been too long, and we are truly glad to be here. We have missed each and every one of you. We've all grown older, just a bit. But our work remains the same. To fight evil wherever we find it. I know there's been a group of villains we've been seeking. 
We used to take on one villain at a time, one per episode. But times are different now. I found a coded message that I intercepted and I have been working on. That's great news, Daff. Any progress? I think I have it. It says, listen to Captain and Daphne, Season 5, Episode 12. Do what it says. Apparently, our gang of international thugs has been using our family-friendly show to coordinate their kills. That makes me very angry, Cap. Me too, Daphne. Me too. The villains are off in the distance, Daphne. Do you see them? I do. Let me see if I can keep them from moving. Evil doers, listen to the sound of my voice. There are no more tricks, only traps. You must stay in one place and face retribution for your misuse of the Captain Defense and Daphne show. That's it. You must stay in one place. Do not attempt to leave the convention hall. You must stay in one place. That's good, Daphne. Now it's time for the ice ray gun. I shall just prepare it. Five, three, one, two, six. Halt! FBI! Freeze! Don't move! Drop your weapon! Please give the agents room. This is not scripted, folks. You have been part of the apprehension of a gang of international terrorists. The same group believed to have been using our show to facilitate their evil doing. Thank you for all the wonderful years we've had with you. Come on, Cap. It's time for us to go. Before you two leave, there's something I would like to say to the audience. My name is Frankie, and I was the Foley for the show. That means I created all the sound effects. I owe these two wonderful actors an apology. When we were still recording the show, you, our amazing fans, had a write-in campaign because you wanted Captain Defense and Daphne to kiss. And I convinced them that when that moment came, it needed to be a sound effect instead of live action. I only had one reason for that, which was that I was in love with Di Stefano, and I couldn't bear the thought of seeing that. Their lives took different times after the show ended, but 35 years later, they're a wonderful couple. So how about they get that kiss now? Many years later, but never too late. Yes! Well, if you insist. Daphne, you will always be my favorite superhero. You are mine too, Captain. And our superheroes lived happily ever after in a little bungalow just down the street from Schneider's Grocery, where the food is always fresh and the staff is always friendly. Schneider's Grocery, the perfect place for the perfect treat. Pick yours out today.
Dear passenger, we'll now be leaving the spectral streams and dropping you off on your home planet. I hope you've enjoyed your journey through Captain Defense and Daphne in the case of the missing ice ray gun. Written by Kathy Brady. Captain Defense and the older Dan Milo were voice acted by Blake Benlin. Young Daphne was voice acted by Caitlin Curtis. While her closer to present self, Di Stefano, was voice acted by Cindy Stevens. Your radio narrator was Blake Benlin. Production, direction, sound design, editing, and all music were created and performed by Daniel French of Fishbonius Sound Design. Please help us make improvements to Chronosphere Fiction and keep the story series going by contributing. Become a patron at patreon.com slash chronosphere or contribute directly via Venmo at Fishbonius, F-I-S-H-B-O-N-I-U-S. And remember, anytime you need to visit the spectral streams, Chronosphere Fiction awaits. Until next time, keep your cosmos clean. Adjust your sets. You're tuned to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow on Mutual is Thursday Thrillers, our roundup of action, adventure, mystery, crime, drama, and thrillers, of course. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of diverse audio tales. Or find the Thursday Thrillers feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.